Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them, from the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. In our last house, we found a note from the first owner hidden beneath the wallpaper. Nothing too amazing, just his name and a date when he papered the walls. In this house that I currently live in, there's a cobweb-filled bin in the back of the basement, filled with old doors that were once used. I'm actually afraid to dig around in it, but this podcast episode is inspiring me to do so. Perhaps you've discovered a forgotten bit of the past, in a place you've lived or worked. I've received countless emails from people that have found photographs in the darndest places when renovating a house, in walls, behind fireplaces, and more. Never has anyone ever said they found a whole room. Well, that is until I spoke with attorney David Whitcomb and his amazing unexpected find. His tale will have you looking in closets, examining ceilings, and hoping to rediscover lost history, just like he did. David J. Whitcomb is the founder-owner of Whitcomb Law Firm. Mr. Whitcomb is a graduate of Canandaiga Academy, and he obtained his law degree from the Catholic University of America Columbus School of Law in 2007. Mr. Whitcomb focuses his practice on real estate, lending, estate planning, and probate, business entity formation and representation, as well as representation in matrimonial and criminal matters. He's had an amazing career as a lawyer. But I will tell you, he's found an amazing amount of fame, having found that secret room. But I'll let him tell you about it. So, David Whitcomb, you made the discovery of a lifetime recently in an attic of a building that you purchased. And your news media coverage of this has been, as you said, all over the world. But let's step back from that for a moment. And I want to welcome you to the Photo Detective Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a very interesting topic, and I think it's an interesting podcast you have. Thank you. Thank you very much. So give us the background. 
you were going to, you were looking to expand your law firm offices. Yep. So I had, I have a law practice here in Ontario County. I, I live in Canandaigua, New York, and Geneva, New York is a neighboring community about 20 minutes down the road, similar populations. And I thought it would be a good idea if I had a brick and mortar presence for my business there so that we could grow, but we're very busy and which is a good thing. And the opportunity came to purchase this building. And the first two floors are commercial. There's offices, my new office is there. There's other attorneys that are actually the attorney I bought the building from is there. So, but the third story is it's an old apartment. It had been turned into an apartment at some point prior to the 1960s, but it probably hadn't been rented in 30 years. I mean, it was, when I looked at the building originally, the walls are a mess, the ceilings kind of caving in some spots from water damage. It just needs to be completely gutted and, and, and remodeled. And I said, okay, well, that's, we'll do that to phase two once we get the office up and running. And you went in with a friend. Yep. So to, after to sort of scope after out. The, yep. After we close on the building, I happened to be there doing a couple of things. And I, I had a friend of mine, Ian, he owns a, a business in Geneva. He owns a, a bar, a restaurant. And I said, come over and give me a hand with this and, and I'll give you a tour. So Ian being pretty sufficient in real estate, we were up in the third floor looking around and saying, oh, this really needs to be completely gutted, but what are we going to do? Are we going to leave the walls the same way? Are we going to redo the layout? And he got looking at the ceiling and I was looking at it and there's some spots where the, the drop ceiling had kind of come in and we, we pulled on it a little bit and we expected to see rafters. We expected to see the roof. You can't see the roof from the road. It's a tall building. There's, there's a brick facade. It's just, there's no angle to see the roof from the, from the street. And no one mentioned an attic. There's nothing in the paperwork about an attic. And, but we said to ourselves, that doesn't look like the roof. That's not what we were expecting. That looks like the bottom of another floor, but there's nothing up there. Right. And then. Right. Ian said, an attic or crawl space. I said, I don't think so, but, but, but that doesn't look right. It's just not what we were expecting. So. We said, all right, well, if there's an attic, there's got to be access. There's got to be a way to get to it. So we started poking around and sure enough, it, it hidden in plain sight. If you're not looking for a panel that's in a bunch of panels, you wouldn't ever notice it. But we said, okay, that one's smaller than all the other ones. That's an access panel. So sure enough, we pushed on it and it popped right up. Whoever built this drop ceiling knew there was an attic above it. So they, they built a way to get into it. And we looked up there with our flashlights and we saw kind of a cavernous space there was it's tall and we said oh my god there's space up there maybe there's something up there that was our both of our instant thought because we're both into antiques and, and history and so we we found a bunch of chairs that have been the space for the last 30 years has basically been used for storage the apartment files for the attorneys that have been in the building and ian piled some chairs together and i climbed on top of it and then i i elevated myself up and when i looked when my eyes adjusted with my cell phone flashlight, right in front of me were four, five, six, maybe gilded gold picture frames and big, you know, 20 inches, 26 inches, somewhere in that range. And they were all stacked up and I got excited and I, I lowered myself down and I said, oh my God, I think we just found the Goonies treasure. And I was half kidding, but half not. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised the number of people who tell me that they find hidden photographs in, in houses and buildings when they renovate. Mm -hmm. Pictures fall through the slats in the floor. They right. fall behind the fireplace. But what you're talking about is a cache of pictures that were literally forgotten. 
Right. The what we have been able to determine is that the third floor of this building was a photography studio. We well, let me go back. When we first went in the attic, we didn't know what we were looking at. Picture frames, a lame like myself that's a picture frame <laughs> i mean i know what that is and i know the value of them I, i've seen them in all sorts of antiques and sales and a vintage picture frame can go for hundreds of dollars if not a thousand it just depends so we were kind of excited we said oh man we could sell these frames they're gorgeous and, but then then that we it was one of those things where we we weren't expecting to spend any time in an attic i, I had a suit on <laughs> and i had some place to be so we said well there's a bunch of stuff. There's, I mean, the, the space was absolutely filled with stuff. I said, we'll come back. Unfortunately, Ian was going out of town. So the next day, another friend of mine who's a big antiquer, I told him what we found and he got very excited. So we went back. We must have spent 12 hours up there on the next day, which was a Saturday. And as we start looking at the stuff, it's fairly clear that everything is photography related. There's stacks of portraits, individual pictures, camera equipment from the 1800s, early 1900s. And then we start seeing the, the, the same name over and over and over, Hale, 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 J.E. Hale, J.E. Hale, photographer Geneva. So again, forensic science here, but we, we knew pretty quickly, okay, well, all of this stuff must be the property of a J.E. Hale that lived around. And then we found, my friend found under a stack of wood laying on the ground, a pile of mail. And it's all to J.E. Hale from different photography companies, Western Union. We found basically uh, spam from 1916, from the temperance movement, just all sorts. Of, so we said, okay, well, obviously this is 1916, it's J.E. Hale. We, it's, we started to put the story together. And what we've been able to since spend a lot of time learning is that Hale had a studio on my street next to us. Around 1900, he moved into the space that uh, my building is in. That space was used by another photographer and he, uh, we don't know yet whether he retired or just left or went out of business, but Hale around 1900 rents the space where, where we are. So the apartment, what is now an apartment was the photography store. This would have been storage above it, this attic. We know that Hale sold his business in 1927. Who put the stuff in the attic and left it there? We don't know. Maybe it was the guy that bought the business. He didn't want to display Hale's photos. Maybe oh, it was I keep the well, I keep the mail, right? Maybe someone just chucked it up there because, I don't, but then again, for, for anyone listening that's ever found something in an old building, why is any of this stuff where it is? Well, you never know. <laughs> you never know. And that's the, the mystery we're, we're never going to know is the why. Why was this stuff put there and why was it left there? We have theories, but that's all we have. But we have been able to determine whose it is. I mean, obviously the why of it's a photography studio. We found a photo of my building from roughly the 1870s from across the street, looking down on the street. And you can see on top of the building, there was a, a giant window. The word, the word is escaping me. Skylight for a, sky, for, the for a photo studio. Absolutely. And it was a studio from you know, the mid 1800s till about 1940. So it's when was this building constructed? The building's been there since at least the 1850s. Okay, I mean, so, so generally, Generally, what happens with really cool spaces that are great for photo studios is they get passed down from studio to studio to studio because it's a great spot, right? You've got sunlight, you've got a, a place, you can sometimes buy the materials and props and all and equipment from the guy who came before you. And I say guy because mostly it's a yeah. male dominated field in that 
point of time, although not exclusively. And so it seems like that third floor might have been used serially as a photo studio. It was. It was used as a continuously as a photo studio before Hale. I actually found in the local Geneva paper online, there's a website there, you can search New York State newspapers, found an article from roughly 1940, the, the date escapes me, where a photographer named E.E. E. Stewart, it was a story about him moving his studio to a different location in Geneva. And thankfully, this reporter from 1940 did a really good job with the background because he talks about Stewart having bought his practice from Gilmore, who bought his practice from Hale, and how that space had been. This will be the first time in 90 years that it, it wasn't a photography studio. So, I mean, it nailed it for us. It told us the whole story, finding this news, newspaper article. And then it gets renovated after 1940 into an apartment. But when this guy moved, Stewart, that stuff was there. He left it, whether he knew it was there or not. He, but that was, that's when it no longer becomes a studio and, until we stumble into the attic. And do you know what, do, what happens to Hale? Does he die suddenly? And that's why Hale, uh, he was getting older and had a hard time finding, he actually took out an ad in 1919 that said, I didn't realize this, apparently giving people your picture for Christmas was a thing. <laughs> it was a big business. And he said, look, it was around July or something. He took an advertisement out that said, if you want your Christmas photos in, get, get them started now because I can't find any help and I'm getting older and I got to do all the work myself. So he sold his business, like I said, to a, a photographer named Frank Gilmore, who was a young guy just getting started. And Hale moves to Michigan. I'm not, I, I want to say Dearborn or somewhere in, in that area because he had a daughter out there and he ended up dying a few years later. So many people ask me about, well, what happens to the photo studio negatives and prints? Because it always says on the back, copies made at your you know, convenience. And I say, well, mostly they're destroyed or lost. And you, you discovered one of those lost collections yep. for a photo studio in Geneva, New York, exactly when Hale was working. Obviously, he yep. said he was done in about 1920. Hale, he started his business in the early 1880s, we'll say. And he actually, he was in Seneca Falls. He took a picture of Frances Folsom Cleveland, the first lady of the United States just before she became first lady. And after she became first lady, he had written her a letter basically saying, do you mind if I use this in my marketing? <laughs> he was a shrewd businessman. And she wrote him back and said, absolutely, go ahead. Not a problem. And she said, just so this is my favorite photo of myself. I, I hope that we get a chance to work together again. Uh, a local doctor in Geneva, Dr. Weinstock, he has that letter in that picture. So that kind of put him on the map. He had a famous customer basically. And that was around 1886. He comes to Geneva around 1890 because it's a bigger population. He wants to grow his business and he's there for 30 years. From So from 1890, roughly to 1920, 21, he's in Geneva and he's the guy. So you said you found picture frames up there. Yep. You found cameras. Yeah, we have, it's an interesting mix. Like you say, we have things like negatives, glass plate negatives, tons of scraps, half of a picture, full pictures. We assume that he's editing and trying different exposure times and whatever. And a lot of these pictures are just piles and piles of photos that he was going to discard. Probably what they were going to do is wait till they had enough and burn it to get the chemicals back off the photos. It's what we've been told. 
people by who are uh, pretty knowledgeable. But then we have studio stuff. We have chairs. We have probably 15 backdrops. They're gorgeous. They're hand-painted. We have three shipping crates for the backdrops where there are some he ordered from a company in St. Louis and he, the shipping containers must have been just shoved up in this attic and they're really cool. We got labels. We have, in addition to the backdrops, we have props, paper mache. It's made to look like wood or it's made to look like a brick backdrop. And it's just something that would be displayed behind you and they're, they're paper mache or they're wood. Very, very cool stuff. So it's, it's like, and then the framed photos, what we understand is that these would have been pictures he had on display when you walked in, what kind of work he was proud of or people you'd know, like Susan B. Anthony. And that's why this would have been Hale's personal copy of that famous photo that he would have had on display because she's extremely famous uh, even at, at that time. And um, that would have been on display in his studio. So it's almost like we have his whole studio. And what about sort of random collections of family photographs that he might have taken. Were those upstairs as well? Yep. I mean, the number of photos we have of people, of families, a mother and a father with their child, groups of women. Obviously, we have several photos of the uh, major players in the suffragist movement in the area at the time. We're trying to identify all of these people. And we're trying to put pictures online on our Facebook page and have people help us identify them. For example, we have a, a photo of a gentleman... He's in a collegiate hat when I assumed he was a college professor, probably Hobart William Smith, which is right in Geneva. And the, the college reached out to us after we posted the picture and they said, that's astronomer William Brooks. He was a famous astronomer. He's found more, more comets than anyone else in history, except one other guy. And uh, they built an observatory in Geneva to lure him to the college. So we have, we have a photo of him, but we wouldn't have known that had someone not reached out to us. So. so when you say you have created a Facebook page, can you tell yep. me what it is? Because I know that people listening to this are going to want to go on and say, hey, it's, that might be right relative. It's, it's facebook.com slash hail collection, H-A-L-E collection. That's a, on the Facebook page, it says hail collection slash Susan B. Anthony collection or something along those lines. But it's, the URL is facebook.com slash hail collection. We're posting pictures repeatedly so that... People can enjoy them, number one, but so people can help us try to, to identify these. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos. Wow. So what's going to happen to all of this stuff? We're, we're working on identifying, number one. Number two, restoring and cleaning. Some of the materials we're not going to be able to clean. There was a fire at some point, and we believe it was a building next door that bled into the ceiling. The, the ceiling of the, the attic is charred. And all of the, this ash over the years has fallen down and coated, coated a lot of the material. Some of it we're not going to be able to clean. Some of the photos we're trying to restore. Ultimately, that's going to lead up to a public exhibit and then an auction. We're trying to keep as much of the collection together as we can. There's folks interested in buying significant portions of it. So, What about the historical society? The local historical society has been extremely helpful. For example, Hale took a picture of uh, five men in military uniform. They were able to identify all five of the men as uh, Company B from Geneva that went to the Spanish-American War. And actually, there's a sergeant in the middle of the photo. He went on in World War I to become a general um, and had a very successful military career. So things like that that they've been able to help us with. Well, do you want to do some digital restoration? Actually, we've got a meeting this afternoon. Later today, I'm meeting with two gentlemen who are experts in the field so to speak. The one gentleman basically managed Eastman Kodak's collection. So, I mean, these guys, 
or the people we need to talk to about doing all those types of things. Right. Photos are faded over time, depending on which chemical they used. The platinum photos look like they were taken yesterday to my eye. Others are browned or yellowed, sepia, et cetera. Some of them are folded and cracked. Some of them we're going to have to do, they're, they're, it's like photos that the photographer looked at and said, ah, this doesn't look very good, crumbled it up and threw it in, in, the, in the toss pile. Those ones, when we tried to open them, we just cracked them. And one of the pictures that was like that, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but we have the portrait of Susan B. Anthony. We have a second copy of it that was folded in about, just folded up and chucked in this pile. When we unfolded it, it cracked at the crease, but it's the giant portrait of Susan B. Anthony. So we said, okay, no more opening pictures that are, <laughs> right. that are crumbled up. These guys are going to show us a process to hydrate them essentially so that you can kind of undo them and see what's on there. So Hale took that photograph of yep. Susan B. Anthony and you have the negative. So I did look at, at it at the Library of Congress website. It's mm -hmm. there and it's unattributed for a photographer. So she you revealed a whole lot of photo history. He kind of lived in, in the perfect spot in Geneva. The axis between Seneca Falls and Rochester was a hotbed of suffragist history. And he was there at that time. And he got, he took a lot of pictures of suffragists. One of the things that we just discovered was we have a photo. It's a group of people at kind of a summer camp looking thing. And we didn't pay too close attention to the photo until last week. I happened to be standing next to it, staring at it. And I said to myself, the, the, the composition of the photo is there's a woman in the center and there's men and children around the woman and they're all sitting there. And I said, usually whoever's in the middle of a picture is the most important person. Exactly. I said, this woman is uh, commanding that center presence. So we had to get a, a magnifying glass basically. And we zoomed in and the woman sitting in the center of the photo is Ann Fitzhugh Miller, one of the uh, leading suffragists in the area. Her mother was uh, friends with Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. It was at their house that the famous photo was taken. This picture was taken at a camp called Fossenview, which was owned by the Millers. And for 25, 30 years was, you know, kind of the inner sanctum of their life. We've got never seen before photos of it that Hale took. And it's just fascinating. Wow. Wow. I'll tell you, every time we move, and we don't move that often, but when we just moved a few years ago into this 1896 house, uh -huh. the first thing I did was we don't have an attic, but we do have a big basement and there's like <laughs> in, in the back. And I was like, what am I going to find in there? Uh -huh. And I haven't found anything earth shaking because other people were here before me. But I think anyone with an old house or who buys an old house, I mean, this story will have us all scrambling into basements and attics looking for hidden treasure. I have it on good authority that when the story broke, because it was in Geneva, New York, that all the stores closed for about an hour and everyone searched their attics. Do you own the attic? Yeah, I own the building. You own and, the building. Uh, yeah. And it's funny you said that because the first thing I did when I, I looked at the building was I said, where's the, show me the basement. I want to see what's in the basement. And uh, we didn't find anything in the basement except old radiators and in junk, but we didn't even know there was an attic. So, I mean, talk about a surprise. Yeah. Talk you about know, a surprise. And it just the excitement of walking up there that first time and, and soaking in the volume of stuff and then everything you pick up, you don't know what it is. You don't know if it's anything or if it's something. And it was just extremely exciting and, and, and a thrill. So what does it mean to you to have made that discovery? It's interesting. We're living in a time 
of kind of a renewed awareness of how far we've come, but how far we have to go with gender equality, racial equality, all these things. To me, it's almost like it was meant to be found now, that it, 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 to remind ourselves of this story of these suffragists and the people that lived in the time that they lived, that we're all just part of the same story. We're just the next chapter of it. It's exciting in that way. And I just feel fortunate. Everyone wants this to happen, but it happened to me in my lifetime. That's pretty cool. I think it's pretty amazing. And you're very lucky. You're the right man at the right place in the right oh, time. Literally the, very lucky. <laughs> I tell you, the news media is full of stories like this right now. I can't keep track of all of them. I've seen a few. I've seen a few. As yeah, well. from the woman who used Twitter to the guy in the recycling center in uh, the Shetland Islands. If you haven't listened to that episode of The Photo Detective, listen to Paul Moore. Oh, no. Your kindred spirits, for sure. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. And I think that you have discovered some amazing treasures, maybe even some things that people didn't know existed from the suffragist period. Could be, could be. We're talking to a lot of people to identify things. So it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, does it, does it make you want to stop being a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. I've kind of forced me to stop for a minute. <laughs> Just answering all the, the, the pressing queries. Uh, I'm playing a little catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Good luck with your meeting with the people that well, used to be you. at the George Eastman House. They know their stuff. Thank you so All much. Right. Absolutely, take care. You too. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one -on -one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.